Welcome back to School of Calisthenics. It's Tim and Jacko, and we are here with another playground session. And this one is a real treat, I think, for us. It's probably one of those ones that got us right in the in the feels and got us feeling warm and fuzzy. Yeah, this is. Um, we've got an interview with Chris Saunders, who uh, some of you may have heard of because he's a graduate of the School of Calisthenics, but he may not have done. But he is one of our students, and we were compelled to get him onto the podcast because of he sent us um, some amazing messages on Instagram relating to his story and his journey and how calisthenics training has completely transformed his training and even and it goes as far as saying it's changed his life so um he's got a fantastic story um which uh, obviously there's there's a happy ending which is great but it goes through some dark times um which he goes into the detail of that and um we hope that it is you'll find it both motivating and inspiring um for you in your calisthenics training and life in general so here it is guys chris saunders on the school of calisthenics playground session so I'll, t- I'll say that and you can say hello and then I'll, let, then I'll just give a bit of context to you so welcome Hi, Chris guys. welcome Chris <laughs> <laughs> okay, t- take care brilliant <laughs> so Chris welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast uh, hi guys thanks for having me great so um, Chris you you got in contact with this uh, you sent this unbelievably uh, well it was unbelievably long but it was also an unbelievable uh, message about your journey and your experience having uh, massively changed your training and, and going away from weights and, in, and bodybuilding and into calisthenics um, we've seen you uh, graduate as one of our students in many I think probably I think you're probably better than me and Tim at everything now yeah. but um, uh. we had to uh, as soon as I see that message we, 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 we literally each said to each other we were like we need to get this guy on the podcast and we need to hear we need to hear your story raw and we also yeah. want to for the listeners to hear that because it is motivating and inspiring and there was a lot of um a lot of things to touch on that i think are go beyond fitness so uh, i'll let you let you just kick off and introduce yourself and just tell a little bit of that story for everybody yeah uh, thanks jack um i think that my story probably resonates with quite a few ectomorphs uh similar to what tim says i at 16 years old i was less than 10 stone um so at that point, um, I really wanted to put on some some muscle and some what, mass. So, what's that in kilos? Well, me. Ten stone. Oh, I don't know. Seventy. 70, 70, 70, Seventy-five. Seventy-eight is about twelve stone. Mm-hmm. I think. So, so I used to stone. try and play rugby at twelve stone. Yeah. I remember. I think my Went first through. game of rugby, <laughs> fresh, my first professional game of rugby, I was I think ten and a half stone or something, and <laughs> that was not too useful. But sorry, yeah. Yeah. I bet, yeah. So I was around 10 stone, probably around the same height as I am now, so six foot, so not very big. Uh, <laughs> so I was very keen to, to put on some, some mass. Um, and when I was 16, that usually involved me asking my parents uh, to buy protein supplements um, and then to purchase uh, a multi-gym. Um, so I dabbled in, you know, doing that type of things. And the, the Argos... Um, other brands are available uh, <laughs> uh, dumbbell sets you know the ones with the sand yeah, um, the gold so I, plates and you screw, yeah. you screw the thing on the, yeah, and your, that's yeah. it yeah absolutely so I started off my uh, weightlifting career um, with an Argos dumbbell set and uh, a multi-gym and th- that, that was for about a year and a bit and I just plodded on um, and it wasn't really until uni um, 
in 2007, 2008, when I met up with a group of, of boys uh, who were keen on bodybuilding and they knew a bit more about me, about the diet, about the training. Um, so at the start, I started doing a bit of reading, um, got into um, a training program um, called Build Star 5x5. So essentially, that was three times a week training, heavy squats, three times a week, deadlifting, bench press. Most people have probably heard of that. Um, and then also, of course, uh, cue the bro diet of uh, tuna, uh, broccoli and rice six times a day. So <laughs> made all the same mistakes. Um, did you, did you not do else. the litre of milk after your training session? No. I, oh, I didn't you, got the chocolate, you missed out on the litre of chocolate milk. <laughs> no. What I did do when I was 16, I asked my parents, so look, I need to put on some weight. So they, they purchased me this weight gainer called Mega Mass 2000. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so essentially it was just full of sugar and yeah. stuff I'd never touch now. Um, and you just drunk that. It was about 2,000 calories in a shake, so not very good for you. I love it that your folks bought that for you. If I'd gone to my mum, can I have a weight gainer? She would have <laughs> yeah. been like, no chance. <laughs> yeah, well... It was a bit of a struggle, but yeah, had a bit of stick from my mates for that. Yeah. And nickname Mass stuck around for a while, <laughs> probably still has. I think we all look back nostalgically over those times of supplements that we bought. I, I, one of the, when I first started training properly in the gym, I used Celtec, and it was like literally, I used it for two weeks. I was thirsty all the time. <laughs> I, was, I was diving instructor at the time, so I spent a lot of time with my shirt off. And it was like literally, we trained like chest three times a week, like never did legs, like proper like. Or like just when you don't Mirror you've got no yeah. idea what you're doing but it flipping it blew me up like I got me and my mate just like people are like what have you been taking people thought I was on gear <laughs> yeah. so I still look back at Celtec um, or the muscle tech quite nostalgically to be fair <laughs> but I've got no idea what was in it and I've, like you say if I looked at the ingredients now I'd be like flipping no chance of putting that in my yeah. body it's probably taken a few years off my life but <laughs> yeah. I put on a pound or two anyway when I was 16 yeah, yeah so yeah, just get back to that. So in 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 twin, 2007, started training, um, was hitting the weights three times a week. Was you know eating my tuna, just constantly smelling of tuna, body odor <laughs> buzzing of it as well. <laughs> Not great. So that then started into a bit of an obsession with weightlifting, um, and then fast forward to 2010, um, I entered my first bodybuilding show, um, and I managed to win my class in the middleweights. Um, and then at that point, um, probably like you two, I'm quite, um, quite, I've got an addictive personality. Yeah. So at that point, being on stage, the thrill, the buzz, um, seeing all the hard work in picture form, um, that just motivated me further. So I, I stuck with the bodybuilding, I cleaned up the diet, but similar to the, the podcast that I listened to with Sal, um, mm. rather than having six meals a day, it was a case of, you know, increasing my food, but because I couldn't, well, I couldn't find the room to actually physically eat the foods. I was supplementing with whey protein, um, instant oats from bulk powders, my protein, etc. So it, it was a lot of food, um, but but I was pushing it as far as I can. How so, old were you at that stage? Um, well, I was 21 in 2010. Right. Um, so. Yeah, it, it was it was a fascination that came from university, and then I yeah. carried that forward um, on. Um, so I, I carried on with that for um, four years, um, and then in 2014 I entered my second bodybuilding show, and at that point I managed to win the overall. Um, I took first place uh, from all the judges, so I was pretty pleased with that. And again, it was just that feeling, that buzz, that rush 
of knowing that you were good at something. Um, so after the show, I thought, right, I need to work on my weak points. Um, I think I could win a British title in X amount of years. So if I really knuckle down, if I put in the graft, put in you know extra hours in the gym, increase my food even further and be even stricter with the diet, then I thought that ultimately I could reach that goal. So very much tunnel vision focused. I was the guy with, you know, the six pack bag with all the supplements, you know, um, uh, the creatine, things like that. Um, and just having a protein shake in a meeting and just trying to get my calories in as, as far as possible. So typical, you know, young bodybuilder, um, not doing any cardio because, of course, cardio is the devil. Um, uh, uh, That's still uh, true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, 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 I think that for, for a bodybuilder, I think cardio, and not for everyone, um, there probably are exceptions, but I think cardio is probably um, something that you try to avoid and you use as a tool to um, assist in the uh, fat loss process when you're you're preparing for a show. Um, you don't want to be a catabolic, so you're trying your best just to stick with the weights and keep cardio to a minimum. So it was it was essentially, and what I'm leading up to then is the, is the problems that I had, and that's when I, I wrote into you guys and 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 essentially how I uh, I turned it around with calisthenics. So I think it was probably in 2015 when I first started to notice that you know I was getting palpitations. Um, my blood pressure was higher, even though I was training four to five times a week. Um, I thought that was pretty odd. I was out of breath, sort of walking upstairs because of the increase in food. Um, but nonetheless, I, I thought that, you know, I, I'm on this journey. Um, I want to uh, become a champion bodybuilder. Um, so I plugged away with it. Um, and all I knew really at that point from a training perspective, this was 2014 now, so I'd been training since 2007, so, you know, good seven yeah. years. Um, all I knew was, you know, heavy squats, deadlifts, uh, eat your protein, your carbohydrates, have your protein shake after the gym within yeah. the magic window of 30 yeah. minutes. You know, all all these things that have since been disproved as, as myths. Um, but the point was that I was for, forcing the food through. I was increasing my food as much as possible. And as an ectomorph, um, I can get a lot. I can get away with a lot of food. So I was packing away, you know, four and a half thousand, five thousand calories as a natural bodybuilder. Again, some bodybuilders say, "Well, that's just part of the process," and it is. You need to put the food in um, because if you don't put the food in, you're not going to grow and you're not going to improve. Then year on year. So it was a case of I was stuck in between this. Um, I was stuck mentally, I suppose, in, in a rut whereby I knew I had to increase my food. Um, I didn't want to do cardio because I didn't want to become catabolic, um, as, as mad as that sounds now. Um, and I stuck with you know, the heavy squats, which I uh, first uh, started training with by the Bill, Bill Star 5x5 method. Um, and I still had these problems in the background, but I thought it was normal. Um, you know, it's, I, I was getting bigger. I was getting stronger in the gym. Um, it wasn't impacting on my performance in that respect. I was still relatively young, so health, you know, wasn't a main priority for me. When it, it did you? Case of, when did you start then worrying a little bit and thinking about your actual overall health rather than just the size of your biceps? <laughs> well, the size of the quads. Actually, and the quads, you know, the quads, quads. have always been useless. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I think 
it was probably at the end of 2016. Um, I was uh, I put together um, a periodized program um, to increase my my squat and deadlift, um, and I squat in deadlifting three times a week. Um, now, in in my family, we've got histories of bad backs. Um, so probably not the best idea in hindsight. Um, so I was, I was squatting and I think at the time I was squatting about 180 kilograms. So it was about 80, 80% of, of my one rep max at that point in time. Um, and I went down and I didn't come back up. (laughs) Uh, uh, My back just went, um, felt something go instantly felt nauseous. Um, and I knew that something was not quite right. And then I spent, probably a good four weeks, five weeks, maybe even longer, not really being able to walk properly. It's dragged myself into work in absolute agony. I went to an osteopath. Uh, They tried doing manipulations and things like that. Kind of helped. Um, The positive was that, you know, it wasn't anything really serious. I don't think I slipped the disc, uh, but it was serious enough that meant that whenever I tried going back, um, to a point where I thought I could squat or maybe do another exercise as a substitute, I was still getting troubles with my back. Yeah. So then at that point, I was stuck in, uh, again, a rut in the sense that I was trying to get back to a, a form of training that I knew. I didn't know anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't come, I come from, you know, traditional, I play football, I play rugby, but in terms of weightlifting, um, I really didn't know anything else apart from that. So, kept trying to do this just kept getting injured and injured so it's cyclical um and at that point as well i started to try to increase the food um i even lowered it at one point but i was still getting these palpitations and um, my blood pressure was still up because i was still heavier than what my body wanted it to be Mm. um as an ectomorph um i was around probably about 14 and a half 15 stone at the time where I'd probably say my natural weight is around 12 and a half, 13, if I'm not pushing the food. So, you know, I was quite heavy. Some may say, did you have to be that heavy? Yeah. Um, or even from that, have, from that yeah, 10 yeah. stone you started at, that's 50% increase yeah. to 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a lot of body weight, um, but that's how I, that's how I trained. That's how yeah. I, yeah. you know, that's how I functioned at that point. So I was getting these palpitations. And at one point I, I was in the house and, um, I was just constantly getting palpitations every 20 seconds. Um, and that was consistent for an entire 24-hour period. So uh, I said to my wife, uh, there's something really wrong here. Um, so we called NHS Direct, ended up going to A&E, spent hours in A&E. Um, doctor looked at me um, and said, all right, we'll put an ECG on. ECG was fine. Um, he said, look, it's probably just a bit of anxiety. And as soon as he said that, the the the, the symptoms stopped <laughs> like magic. So it, it was it was a case of um, really having these symptoms. I think because of the fact that I put on the weight, and then me overthinking about the fact that I was having the palpitations in the first instance, mm. and also then the fact that I knew my blood pressure was higher than it should have been. Um, so it was at that point I knew that there was something not quite right i was training i looked healthy um i looked aesthetically pleasing but i wasn't i wasn't healthy mm. and i again when i listened to the the podcast you guys did with sal um i think it was either yourself or sal said it that you know bodybuilding isn't necessarily healthy it can be you can make it healthy but it's not the most healthy pursuits um 
and certainly when you're func- when you're focusing on aesthetics as opposed to functionality, I think you're going to become unstuck if you start to get stuck in uh, in the same rut that I was with respect to my training and my diet when it when it's not in line with what it should have been for your health. Yeah. So it was around you know 2016 and, and onwards that I thought things may need to change here. And how did you feel, Chris, in that, in that time when, because I, I know what I'm like, if I can't train for whatever reason, if it's work, life stresses, um, got a, a picked up an injury or whatever, like I get my mind plays tricks on me all the time. Like I've, I have like, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit maybe in, in a few minutes, but um, I talk fairly openly about my male dysmorphia. And it comes from a place of being, actually I'm a small guy. Before I started lifting weights, I remember saying before, I've, I've talked about the podcast and spoken to Jacko, I was 68 kilos when I weighed in at the gym the first time I think it was. Wet through. Yeah, and I sit now at like 74 probably, um, 75 if I'm doing all right. <clears throat> But I have this constant thing when I look in the mirror every morning without fail and I kind of I judge myself and that's, all, that's already, my mind has already made a decision when I look in the mirror what I look like. My wife was sitting there being like, what are you talking about? You look exactly the same as you did last week and actually probably last month. And I'm like, no, no, what do you mean? But well then, big I've, GP said you were looking big today. Well, yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> but like, if I haven't trained for a week or whatever's been going on, I know that yeah. I've been training well. Before I even look in the mirror, my mind, I think, has already made a decision what I'm going to see. Um, what was it like for you in that place when you were, you were kind of like, you're trying to manage it? And, and my, my lifestyle in terms of what I was doing for training in terms of nutrition stuff wasn't as complicated as what you were dealing with. Like, how did that all kind of fit together and what was it like? Yeah, it was, it was very difficult. Um, I, I, I think that part of the, the problem with the anxiety uh, was the fact that I knew that I couldn't train as I wanted to. And I was still trying to push the food, which meant that I couldn't train as intensely as I wanted to. So I wasn't then in the mirror looking as good as I had done in the past. Um, and because I was pushing the food um, and getting all these these uh, medical symptoms, and palpitations, the blood pressure, um, in my head, I thought, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I, I need to find a different strategy. But I suppose as a, as a bodybuilder, you do focus on the aesthetics entirely. So you become obsessed with what you look at in the mirror all the time. So at that point, I knew I wasn't looking my best. I knew that I wasn't progressing towards the end goal, which was to become a bodybuilding UK natural champion at some point in the future. So in a way, it, it was quite not necessary. I wasn't depressed, but it, 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 it didn't make me feel happy uh, being in that place at that time um, and I suppose in terms of male uh, muscle dysmorphia um, I probably did have that at the time um, probably still do to a degree but not quite as much because the focus for me now um, is not necessarily on how I look mm. um, or hypertrophy it's it's to do with how my body functions um, is what I'm putting into my body healthy Um, and then longevity, um, is what I'm doing now. Am I going to be able to do it in 20, 30 years, 40 years, maybe, as opposed to doing something at that point, which was damaging me, not only physically, but mentally. Um, so it was, it was quite a tough time. Um, certainly looking in the mirror and I totally get where you, where you're coming from, Tim. So how did, um, how did, so you're in a, you're in obviously in a bit of a, in, say in 2016 a bit of a dark place um we've all been in various different dark places but how did you how did you turn then things around um to give you know 
what was great is that there's a happy ending to the story because um, we we've seen it in the in the direct message you sent us on Instagram. But um, yeah, how how did things turn around to change? Like you saying physically, but I think even more importantly than than mentally. And how has the difference in training? How has it had an effect on the the wider purpose of your life in terms of how inclusive to your you know, friendships, family life, or whatever that sort of situation is like for you. Obviously, when you're younger and you're at uni, it's a bit different. But how has that? Mm. How has that? How did that change hap- come? And then, and then, what's been the effect? Yeah. So it was the end of 2016 when I picked up the injury. So it kept plugging away for you know a good few months. Probably felt longer than a few months at the time. Um, and at that stage, I was sort of looking i was trying to be sensible trying to be smart with my training you know i've been injured before so i know that there's ways that you can work around injuries but just couldn't get past that point so um i was online use google searching for alternative strategies for training and i must have typed in sort of calisthenics um and then i was on facebook one time and your guy your your ads popped up school of calisthenics good old facebook and, ads eh? yeah yeah it's a good so thing we spent that money <laughs> yeah the profiling's definitely working anyway by <laughs> facebook so yeah good money well spent yeah you, you um, would have thought you could focus on people who've got palpitations <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely yeah, so I, I was on Facebook and um, I, I saw, you know, handstand guide. And I've never had any gymnastic background or experience. And quite to the contrary, I've got no balancing skill. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just used to go in the gym, pick weight, weight up and put it down. And that was it. Um, and grunt a few times and maybe sweat. Um, so that, that was the extent of my training histories. But I thought, you know, I'll, I'll look at this and see whether or not it's something that I could incorporate into my training, maybe strengthen my core um, and then perhaps move on. And then at that point, perhaps I can go back to my training. Okay, so, so it was it was seen as a bit of an intermittent thing. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I still in my head, I, even though I had all these issues, I still thought, right, maybe I can sort of mend myself yeah. in the interim. And then, you know, doing the handstand training, strengthening my core um, and, and getting through what was, in my view at that time, a, a sticking point. And um, I thought then I could perhaps just go back into into the bodybuilding, that, that sort of lifestyle. And in retrospect, I suppose that, that wouldn't have been a good decision. I'm glad I didn't make it. Um, and I, I, I chose a different path. Rather than it, it started off, the handstand training started off as an interim thing to fix yourself. How, at mm-hmm. what point did it then become, actually, I'm just going to do calisthenics altogether. Like when did, how did that decision come about? Was it a gradual thing or, you know, did one day you go, flipping neck, actually, was it the first time you balanced and you went, or was it the first time when you graduated the frog to handstand, you were like, actually, this is me. I, I can remember the, the time when, when we did our first back leap and I was like, this is me. I ain't going back to weight. So I remember that day. Like, I'll always remember it. Yeah, so I suppose I've got a similar story to both both you and Tim in the sense that I was injured um, and I was looking for a different strategy. So I, I, I thought that, you know, I'll give this a go. I'll give it a go. I think maybe three months to four months I give it. And I thought that, well, if I lose my gains, if I become catabolic <laughs> over that three-month period, and I shrivel up back to the ten-stone sixteen-year-old I was, I know, I you know, I've got enough knowledge in the last decade and, and training experience under my belt that I could get the muscle back pretty yeah. quickly. So I thought, you know, I'm injured, you know, might as well um, try something new. So what I did is I downloaded your book, uh, your handstand book, 
um, I read through a few times. Um, and then I suppose the benefit of my training background was that I knew how to periodize my training. So I yeah. used the same principles that I'd learned over the last 10 years. Um, and I uh, put together a training plan that was calisthenics based. Um, and then I also incorporated uh, the handstand element. So I sort of wrote out a 12-week plan for myself using your guide. Um, at, the, at the start, it was sort of, you know, the frog stand, then one leg off, two legs off, the yeah. transition, working up against the wall, um, what the headstand, the kick up, all those types of things. So I was working on that. And as I went through week one week two and i was starting to see the progress going from frog stand took my leg off then i was getting into the transition and it was yeah. at the point of the transition that i thought this this is really cool um, and i was <laughs> yes. at that at that point i got almost well i almost got the same buzz at that point as i did when i was standing on the bodybuilding stage mm -hmm. and i thought oh, this is this is really good i i think that i could probably look to progress um and make you know, a training routine out of this. So yeah. at that point, I think I posted my first video on Instagram um, of me just doing the transition. Um, and I found it quite difficult from that point. I think that may, might have been maybe six to eight weeks into my training. And at yeah. that point, I, I, I found it difficult to sort of transition up. So at that point, I, I started to use the wall a bit, uh, as you, you guys recommend, and brought my feet off the wall and tried to hold myself um, got better at that. Yeah. Um, I then used the kick-up method, yeah. um, and I found that because of my training background, I had the strength to do it, yeah. but I needed to slow it down um, and then work on my hand-balancing skills. So I yeah. did that, um, and then just before um, the end of, I think it was a 12-week period, I was due to go on holiday, I think, the week after, yeah. um, and I managed to do it. Um, and I was absolutely at that point, I was hooked. I was doing <laughs> sort of handstands every day. And I think I went on holiday and I probably went for 10 days and I did a handstand or some form of handstand in training session every single day. I feel and like... I was trying to record everything. Oh, I, yeah. I, I can distinctly remember um, the couple of videos of you in your garage and then <laughs> yeah. some in your, in, your, in your garden, and what I, which I assume is your garden. But what I love, one thing yeah. what I love is that you said that buzz that you'd had previously that was obviously in front of a lot of people and I get why there would be a bit of a buzz with the crowd but you said you got the same buzz when you were literally in your garage and, and no disrespect to your garage it's not the it's not the <laughs> most aesthetically pleasing of um, uh, it's better than my garage yeah. but you know what I mean it's not like there's yeah. loads of people watching it was actually you getting a buzz off something intrinsic rather than that external yeah. thing um, which I think is amazing and is is fantastic and I hope it's just an encouragement to everyone else that's out there. Um, I think that for me is one of the things about this that differs about calisthenics and it is such an intrinsic reward because mm. you've got this tangible goal and something that you're working towards and when you can do it, you can do it. And no one says that's not a handstand. Like people go, it's not a great handstand. You're like, do you know what? I'm not bothered for me because I've mm. gone through such a journey to get there. Whereas with the bodybuilding and aesthetic-based training, somebody who's sitting in front of you is going to decide whether you're going to be successful or not. And it's their individual mm. opinion of what they like and their preferences mm. and, and whether they think that your physique or falls in line with what, what they would deem to be an appropriate or worthy of an award. And I just, mm. that's one thing that I think like I, the, the approval of other people and, and, and training because I want to do this for myself and then therefore I'm in control of my success and, and how I feel about it is such a massive thing about calisthenics um, because there's always something to do. There's always another thing where you can go and you can go and chase that same buzz 
but like the, I think we wrote a blog today about it, but there's, it's like, there's always a progression, but it's always humbling because you always pretty much start back at level zero. Like once you can do a handstand, you go, right now, handstand push up and you go flipping it. That's yeah. hard. <laughs> and it's literally like starting at the beginning and you just happen to have a few skills, which are going to mean that you can progress to that level. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're testing my memory a little bit, but I, I do feel like I can remember seeing, I remember seeing a video. I think it was then you did one when you was on holiday. So it was like the garage. So I feel like we did, did you not do some, do not send us a message, do not recommend doing like the eccentric at one point? I feel like that's, um, but maybe, maybe I remember perhaps in your garage, but then I remember seeing these videos literally because you were tagging us in or sending them. It's like day, literally day after day. I remember thinking after about a week going like, Craig, I think that bloke needs to probably have a rest. <laughs> well, I, I saw yeah, the addictive personality kicking in. But I remember yeah. Jacko saying to me, have you seen Chris on Instagram? He's flipping, he's been going eight weeks, he's better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> if, watching your, like, obviously, like, watching you from the, from social, from Instagram, like, um, it felt, you know, you might say it took you, like, 12 weeks, but, um, I don't know, it seemed to go, like, that, that goes super fast to us. Like I, well, I mean, it's definitely it is fast. Like yeah, it is fast. even if it is that, but it felt like even less. It felt like if you, if I had to guess from my memory of seeing your videos, I'd have said he probably did it in a month. Yeah. Um, but then three months is fast. It took me about two years because we made yeah. so many mistakes along the way. Um, had a lot of injuries from rugby to deal with and all that sort of stuff. But all the those mistakes that we've made have. Of, of thankfully and I'm really grateful for it not at the time I hate it at the time but all those mistakes have made that we can teach people like you um, so much quicker and then to give for us to have the chance to give the, that sort of same feeling that we experience to guys and girls with the power of the internet all over the world to be able to to be able to get that sort of internal buzz and good feeling about themselves and their body that's not based on our image based more on actually what I can do with my body is I'll be forever grateful to you know calisthenics for that I think you raise a good point though with sort of the the body image uh, side of things because since I've done calisthenics I've sort of well I have cleaned up my diet completely I'm not eating as much and I suppose you don't really need to eat as much because it serves you better to be lighter yeah. and to be leaner you know, if I'm doing a handstand, I'm 15 stone, and I'm trying to do uh, handstand push-ups, then yeah. I'm not going to get far. When I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting under 13 stone at the moment, so I'm sort of two stone lighter than what I was when I was doing the bodybuilding. It's so much more helpful to those sort of movements. Um, and it also means then I can do other things. So I'll, on, a, on a Saturday now, you do a park run, then you jackal yeah, yeah. on a Sunday. Well, I'll, I'll go for a run with the dog. I'd never dream of doing that when I was a bodybuilder. Lose your gains. <laughs> absolutely lose the gains so it's, it's just being able to be flexible and yeah. not worrying about what you actually look like but the best thing about calisthenics is is that if you train hard um and you follow the progressions you end up looking good anyway by a byproduct yeah, of the yeah, fact yeah. that you are uh trained you know nine times out of ten you're going to look pretty good anyway yeah, um, yeah. so no, i think sure. it's a testament really to, to to the calisthenics model and the training that you don't have to look in the mirror and think, well, I've lost an inch of my biceps today. Mm. Uh, as you say to him earlier, that you, you know, when, when you're focusing on hypertrophy and all those types of training methods, you're constantly worrying about what do I look like in a shirt? What, what do I look like um, when I'm out? But now it's a case of, I don't care what I look like. I can do 
A, B, and C. Yeah, yeah. I can manipulate my body in such a way. It's and pretty that, cool. And that longevity, like you said, going forward, yeah. we've talked about that a lot. Like, what am I going to be able to do with my body moving forward? Can I run? Like, can I take the dog out for a run? But actually, can I run from danger if that ever yeah. <laughs> came yeah. about? And like the sort of um, the, the the body then looking how it does, and if that's good, great. Um, if but it being a byproduct, and you know. If anyone does want to check check Chris out on Instagram, you'll see the guy's got a flipping rig. And like you sat there, if you're saying just under 13 stone, like I know we're not saying it's the main focus at all, but from me, you do look great. <laughs> Coming on to me, Jack. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> so what is tra- what is lab? What does what does training look like now, Chris? Then so in terms of calisthenics, of what you're working on, what what have you got in the what's what's no no longer in the impossible box, or what are you still kind of like trying to trying to get a shift, get it moving? Yeah. yeah so um, I've used your um, um, your strength and play mm. um, guide. I'm still I'm still using that at the moment. So. Um, the way I w- the way in which I've structured my training at the moment is is based on four four day a week cycle. There's three uh, calisthenics based sessions, and then there's one on the Saturday, like I mentioned, where I just go for a run with the dog and try to run as far as I can and as mm. quickly as I can. <laughs> yes. um, but my my training is because I'm, I I've got a newborn. Um, I used to train five to six days a week, and again, that's something that's really good with calisthenics is you can train anywhere. Yeah. Um, so when you when you have a young family, um, um, you can, you need that time, um, as you know, Tim yourself. Mm. Um, whereas when I, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm still awake. <laughs> That's your bedtime. Yeah, not far off. Um, yeah. So w- when you're 21, and you know, when I started bodybuilding, you can train five, six, seven days a week. It doesn't really matter. But with the calisthenics, it's good that you can, you know, compact your training. And if you want, I can train in the living room. Yeah. I can do a handstand. I can do a push-up. You know, I can manipulate my training that way. But I train three days a week, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Again, that's that's the, the plan. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't always go to plan, but I try to stick to it as best as I can. Um, you know, rejig the days if I need to. Sunday will be sort of my my uh, handstand uh, day um, at the start. So I'll I'll start doing sort of um, holding a handstand as long as I can and just trying to get used to feeling where the movement lies um, i'm still working on I, i've been training calisthenics now for over 12 months and i'm still at this point still working on being able to do a handstand all the time sometimes yeah. i'll do it and because maybe i'm fatigued or yeah. for some other reason mm. i might not be able to do it um, but i'd say probably eight times out of ten i can i can use your method and kick up and use the frog stand method to, to get into a handstand so i do that on the sunday that's probably for about 20 minutes um, and then i do um strength-based workout um all to do uh with body weight um but i also use weight um in the sense of pull-ups so i add uh, weight around my my dipping belt i use dips um i also do split squats mm-hmm. um so i've done split squats since i've got injured in order to reduce the load on my back yeah yeah um, so i do hit that so that's all my strength day, and I try to hit a full body session. Um, then on a Tuesday, um, I do a capacity workout, similar to what you've laid out in, in the book. Mm. Um, so I'll do sort of higher rep um, and try to, again, all body weight, but it is supersets. So I'll, yeah. I'll pair chest with back, you know, yeah. similar to that, that sort of thing. And then I'll work planche um, and those types of 
movement as well. And then on Thursday, which is my favorite day, and it wouldn't have been my favorite day when I was a bodybuilder, I would have hated it, is my play day. Yeah. <laughs> so play day um, is sort of 30, so 40 cool. minutes of doing absolutely anything that I can think of. There's absolutely no structure to it whatsoever. Yes. So I'll go in, and you might have seen some of my videos that I'll just... You know, I'll be out in my garden. I'll think, hmm, can I lift myself off the floor and go into a handstand and then come down like Jacko does? Well, I can't do it as good as you, Jacko, but I'm giving it a good go. Um, so it's all it's all stuff like that. I'll try doing handstand push-ups. So I managed, I think, five at the moment. My goal is six. Good. Nice. Um, so I've done that. Um, and then sometimes I work on planche. Uh, planche, planche. Depends, but yeah. Well, we just don't know. Planche. I say planche. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd never say planche. We just done a live with, um, with Carl Pioli tonight, and he's gone, um, he calls it a planche. Carl's <laughs> yeah, Carl, 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 Yeah, go for planche. Yeah, planche. Stick with planche. So it's, it's anything really that. Well, the French know, call it planche. <laughs> I, I love it that you've got a, a play session because we have, like, we, that's how our training started. We do less of it now because we've got serious. We, we need to do more of it. But someone asked us a while ago, we did a podcast for, for the guys at Totem Fitness, and he was like, what, what's your favourite session to do? And I think he was expecting me to go like oh, 100 pull ups and then 500 mm. dips. And I was like, it's the ones where we just mess about. Like, and it's. What are you going to do? Don't know. I'm just going to see where the session goes and yeah. I'm just going to mess about. And, and those are by far and away the most enjoyable training sessions. But you can come out of that having had a great workout because even if you do like 30, 40 minutes of like what you would term as play, right? We're still putting the muscle mm. under tension. We're still doing some, getting some level of overload. But then those sessions, you go, do you know what? I've got 15 minutes before I go, knock out a couple of supersets, rows, pull ups, dips, yeah. whatever you want. You're still doing stuff which is really mm. beneficial. And the really great stuff about that is you are creating different movement patterns, like educating mm. yourself to move in different ways. And you know, I think having some of that stuff just simmering away, you don't really know the value of it. That in terms yeah. of one day, you might turn up and go, do you know what? I really fancy doing a, I don't know, handstand to planche, and I'm going to push back out into it. Like some of the stuff you're doing in that stre- in that play day, it's just conditioning yourself like yeah. ahead of time, but it's not serious. I mean, you start going down the route of going, I can really work in towards a specific movement. Like I'm working on my planche at the moment and training is not diverse. It is not that interesting yeah. and it's hard and I haven't got a lot of play in it. And I think we always go, we should do more of that sort of play stuff. Yeah. But as you said, it's a balance it's a of time. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's what can it is. you fit in and you can't do everything all the time. But what was that thing about play being, emotions the wrong word, it's like one of the... It falls within that realm of basic human emotions yeah, or, or it's right, going to yeah. conjure, it's going to be a facilitator of, of, of creating... It's things as adults we just don't do. Yeah. Like take it out of whether calisthenics or not, I don't care whether if you play Monopoly, I don't mm. care. But play, do something that's play, do something that's enjoyable. Like Einstein said is play tough. is the highest Life form is... of research, which yeah. I wrote a blog about. Yes. Um, and I think that says it all. Yeah. So actually you're, just, you're exploring what you can do with your physical potential. Exploring your physical potential, great. Yeah. Uh, so no more weightlifting, no more bodybuilding. Nothing, nothing in there at the moment? Or? Yeah, not, not for the foreseeable anyway. I'm, I'm sticking with the calisthenics. Um, yeah. I think part of it, and just sort of tying up the story, I suppose, is that, as I said earlier, I've had all the sort of palpitations, mm. the blood pressure, all those types of issues, being out of breath, you know, walking up mm. the stairs. Um, but now, you know, I can, I've run, I can run 16 miles. If I, if I needed to run, well, I've done that so far, I could probably run further. Um, I'm not out of breath, feeling really fit, really healthy. Um, try to keep my diet as, as non-processed as possible, eat organically where I can. Yeah. Um, palpitations, I've had one. 
since mm. I started training really? calisthenics. That could be that could be you know a psychological thing. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't I, matter. I yeah, yeah. I, I personally don't think it is. I think it's to do with the fact that you know I brought my body weight down. I'm eating better, um, and also my blood pressure's you know perfect. So well, yeah, they, they've been they've been massive changes to my psychological and physical health and. It's, it's all to do with calisthenics and I suppose what I don't want to do as part of this podcast either is sort of vilify bodybuilding no, no, no. Um, because bodybuilding it, you know it, it bring it's got lots of positives uh, it really has and I'm glad that I did bodybuilding I enjoyed the time um, and the, the bodybuilders that I know are hard working they're training they, they, their diets are on point and they need to push the food um, and that's part and parcel of the game Um it's it's just a case that with something so extreme as bodybuilding, um, it lends itself to getting into these difficulties. Mm. And for me, as someone who has an addictive personality, um, it was it was hard to get out of that pattern. Yeah. Um, because it was cyclical, didn't know how to get out of it until obviously you paid X amount and put your book on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did right. I, I'm the same, like a thought process. And it's, we, I've been there before. Tried lots of different forms of training. You, you, you gain a lot of experience from them, and it, it's each their own. Everyone needs to do what makes them happy. And if people find fulfilment in bodybuilding, um, then, then then carry on and, and, and get the enjoyment from it. Um, I think one of the dangers is, like you say, it's it's almost one thing I like about calisthenics is it, it lends itself to my body doing what my body was designed to do. So um, strength to weight ratio is always going to win out over me trying to make a physique that I actually haven't genetically or are not going to be capable of getting. So for example, like if, you, if we look at the amount of muscle mass that you can, you can create in terms of how much bone mass you have, there's a limit on that, which you're not going to get past until you start playing around with, with steroids or, or whatever else it might be. Because your body just isn't designed to handle that much force on the bone structure or that much mass and weight. So I think the idea when you get into it of going, calisthenics is using my own body weight and therefore I'm just going to create and optimize the body that I've got rather than trying to get the body that I probably haven't got. Um, and there's a lot of peace in that, I think. If you can mm. get that, if you can get into that mindset, there's a lot of peace in that um, of not trying to be something that I'm not. Like, I'm a small guy, so why do I try to be big? And that was one of the reasons for me of getting into calisthenics. I'm like, I could put a little bit of weight on by training hypertrophy and doing like that sort of work, but I'd go on holiday for a couple of weeks and my trainer would drop off and it would just fall off me. Like, I literally couldn't keep it. And I'm like, all that money I've spent on food, all that training that I'd done, and it literally would just like... So my body's just saying, I don't want it. And I'm sure people in the bodybuilding community would kind of have a solution for some of that sort of stuff. But for me and what I was doing, it was just, it was, there was nothing at the end of it because I worked really hard and then I just lost it. Whereas now, like, like you say, I just want a handstand all the time. And now that's a skill that I can do. As long as I keep it ticking over, I can always do a handstand and I can always have fun with it. Um, Chris, my final question, you, you meant, I don't want to make an assumption, but you mentioned your, your kid. Have you, are you married? Have you got, do you live with a partner? Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, and has she noticed a difference of you? You now as a, a not just your training, but you then as a person almost um, compared to what you were like before. Did they? Did she know you when you were when you were going through that difficult time? Yeah, I. She hasn't really mentioned uh, whether or not she's seen you know a positive change at all, but. Uh, certainly, from a health perspective, I'm not complaining. Oh, I've got I've got a palpitation, yeah. or I I'm not taking six, seven, eight meals out with us, and <laughs> you know having to eat 
two to three hours on the dot. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to shrivel up and I'm never going to win a competition in the future. So there's certainly been a lot of, um, not necessarily the psychological changes, but there's been changes in our relationship insofar as if we go out, I'm relaxed. I don't need to eat yeah. every mm. three hours. I don't need 30 grams, 40 grams of protein every sitting. Um, I'll eat when I eat. I'll eat when I'm happy. Um, and it, as Tim said, it, it's, it's about finding peace with yourself. So mm. I've, I've, I've moved entirely from a mindset whereby it's all about aesthetics. What do I look like? It's moved to functionality. What can I do with my body? And when you, when you start thinking like that, um, it's not about what I look like. And you focus less on the aesthetics. It's so much more uh, pleasing mm, um, yeah. and self-fulfilling. Um, because you're not looking in the mirror every two seconds thinking, you know, my my biceps don't look great in this or my triceps don't look great in this. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's been a good sea change um, and hopefully um, I'll continue with the calisthenics journey and maybe yeah. being able to do some of the stuff that you guys can as well. I've got one final question. Oh. If you were to put a photo of your like bodybuilding day when you won a competition yeah. on stage, peak physical condition, <laughs> next to... Your best calisthenics photo or video, which would be a handstand or flag or yeah. something. Yeah, have you? Is there? A, I know you said you look back and you're glad that you did it, but is is there any sort of difference in how you feel about those two things? Does one mean more to you than the other, or are they just completely different parts of your life that you can just be proud of them both? I, I think that whenever you do something in your life uh, which you're proud of, you'll, you'll always remember it. So again, I take nothing back from when I stood on stage and. I, I won that, you know, the elation that I got, the, the sense of pride and fulfillment um, and being successful uh, was was great. And I, I, it's difficult to compare the two, yeah, but yeah, yeah. certainly when I when I when I when I remember back and I still get buzzes now when I when I do something new with calisthenics mm-hmm. and when I got my play days and think, bloody hell, I didn't think I could do that. Yeah. Um, you know, you get that buzz. So I think it's a different kind of buzz. Um, but. I think that when you compare two life events, um, they're both really positive memories for me. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll be able to make some more positive memories and continue with calisthenics training. Uh, as, you, as I said earlier, longevity is key. That's what I'm in the game for at the moment and hopefully trying to work towards these skills. Yeah. I think the ultimate photo is probably a handstand with one of those tans. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think we get, to, we, get I, I, we need to get Tim I, one of them fake tans. I, I think that I've still got some of the tan in one of my bags. It might be outdated. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mate, Let's bring Tim on paste at the moment. Yeah, yeah. amazing, mate. Oh, Thanks yeah. so much Thank for coming so on much. on the podcast. You, no I'm guessing that you've you've seen some of our stuff and you know how we wrap up our videos. So you have well, a job to do now. Yeah, do you know how to wrap up a video? I know how to wrap up your video. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This was Chris Saunders. And until next week, Chris. Class dismissed. (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, School of Card Science podcast playground session. If you have enjoyed it, and we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on and give us a five-star review. We realise there is one to four, but... Really, it's only about the five stars. Mm-hmm. And that helps people to find us and we get to share this information with others. We hopefully can help them to redefine their impossible. Yeah, it's totally not about just trying to help our build us some confidence. No, <laughs> we're not at all insecure. So until next week. Class dismissed.